If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is a business alignment expert. Michelle Villalobos is the CEO of Superstar Activator. She's a speaker and mentor who works with influencers, thought leaders, and other superstars to develop new business models and back-end revenue streams to monetize their magic. She's the author of the upcoming book, Small Events, Big Impact, the definitive guide for designing, filling, and profiting from retreats, seminars, and mastermind groups. In 2016, she became a member of the National Speakers Association Million Dollar Speakers Group. She's one of my favorite National Speakers Association colleagues and a fellow certified speaking professional. Michelle, what an absolute pleasure it is to welcome you to the show. And thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Michelle, your claim to fame, at least that's how I know you, and that is the retreats. And since it's a subject in the four years that we've been doing this podcast, we've actually not covered that. We're going to put a change to that and go right into it. In your world, Michelle, what exactly is a retreat? What does a retreat look like? By my definition, a retreat is an intimate experience. I say between about five people to 25 people, though it can be more, it can be less that delivers some sort of breakthrough outcome and that serves as the foundational program where you consolidate, synthesize, where you compile your core content, your most important content, your foundational content into one experience. And that serves then as a foundation that helps people have this breakthrough and then leads them into what's next, some sort of mastery program to keep working with you. So I see retreats as an event experience, but more importantly, I see them as a part of a profitable, sustainable, scalable business model. So in your world, a retreat would be an entree to working with you in a more intimate more refined manner where they would learn more, go deeper into the subject matter. Exactly. And that's not to say I don't have retreats that are more for as part of the mastery, but really what transformed my business the most and what I see working with others is to first create that foundational program that, like you said, serves as the entree into what it looks like to work with you and and sort of entices people to take that next step. I love that word entice. Oh, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Let's talk about it as a business model. Our listeners, as you know, are nonfiction authors or primarily they're nonfiction authors. And they're looking to create an author marketing platform for themselves. 
Where would you see this business model fitting into that? What I've seen and what I've experienced for myself too is that you can do a lot in three days. So most retreats, the ones that I teach, most of my clients are using a three-day retreat model. And basically it comes in what I call, so I divide business into these three major components, front-end, back-end, big back-end. The front end is everything that goes into marketing. And I actually include books and speaking in that front end. I don't see, for example, book sales or speaking sales, selling speaking engagements as the best back end or big back end for a business. Because generally, book sales, as you all know, generally you have to have a lot of mass to make money selling books, a lot of volume. And with speaking, you're selling your time for money. So neither of those, to me, is the most ideal big back end, which I'll talk about in a moment. So I see those as falling into the front end. And then those are ways to generate visibility, audience, credibility, which then lead into the back end. The back end is where the retreat sits. The back end is the deep dive experience that delivers what I call a juicy outcome in a compressed amount of time. It's something that people really want and need, but it's not a huge commitment for them. The retreat is where you give them some sort of big breakthrough. And then the big back end, what people can lead into from the retreat is some sort of mastery program, ongoing support, leadership, coaching, done for you services, retainers, anything that has a monthly recurring revenue model for you and that delivers ongoing mastery or support or value for the client. And that is, in my opinion, a very simple way to set up a very successful and scalable and stable business. In terms of where our authors are, once they have published their book, could they go straight into conducting a retreat? Possibly, very likely. I mean, I did my first retreats without a book at all. I was using other marketing strategies, namely networking and speaking. But having a book, I believe, really positions you well to have people want to take to go deeper. So the idea is in a book, you can lay out the framework, you can explain the concepts, you can share the philosophy, but you can't really hands-on work with people. And if you have positioned yourself as this expert in your book and people love the book, chances are there are going to be a percentage of those people that are interested in what would it look like to work with this person directly? Can I work with this person directly? Now, of course, a one-on-one, you could work with people one-on-one, but that's not very scalable or very lifestyle-friendly. A retreat offers an opportunity to say, yeah, you can work with me And the way I work is I do this transformational or informational or skills-based or whatever type of retreat it is, and you can attend. That way you get people together. And what I've seen happen with retreats too is that I used to think that I was the source of all the magic, Susan. I used to think that I had to have all the answers and that if a client came to me for support, then I needed to give them those answers. And what I've learned is how to instead cultivate an experience that creates the conditions 
for them to find their answers. And that's more powerful. Not to mention that there's magic in the group, in the cross-pollination of the group that happens without me and that I couldn't possibly deliver if I tried. There's so much magic in a group experience. I think it's really, and not maybe I'm partial. I recognize that. I just think it's such a fabulous model, especially if you like speaking or delivering experiences or facilitating groups. Of course, I have to ask this question because based on our current situation, I know that you've been conducting these uh, retreats live. Now what happens? Can you do the same thing on a virtual basis? Because it sounds as if you might lose some of that magic or that cross-pollination. How does that work and what can you do virtually? That is such a good question. And honestly, Susan, if you'd asked me that question three months ago, I would have said, no, 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 you got to do it live. It has to be live. And I will say that I do still prefer live. I'm partial to it. But I had my retreat scheduled for March, I think it was 28th through 30th or something like that. And I had to make the judgment call about two weeks before. We were right in the beginning stages of this or, you know, heading into this. And I said, well, either I pull the plug or I go virtual. And I don't want to pull the plug because I had paid clients. And I had clients in my big backend program that wanted to do the retreat again. They were signed up. And I was like, well let's try it. Let's do the experiment. We did it. It was successful. It was different. I wouldn't say it was as enjoyable for me, but it was pretty sweet not to have to fly to the venue and get a hotel room and all that stuff. And ultimately we did have the magic. The magic happened. I think the reason it happened was because I was very intentional about setting aside space and time to make sure that the people connected with each other. Just to give you an example, usually in our retreats, we send people, you know, we give them a 90 minute lunch break and we invite them and encourage them to connect with each other and go to lunch together. Obviously that wasn't going to happen. So what we did was ahead of time, we sent an email asking people to please have their food planned out for the weekend so that they could take a short break to prepare the food and then bring it back And we were going to have lunch breakout rooms. So we were going to put people into smaller groups while they ate lunch. And then we gave them activities to do with each other. For example, take the people in the room in your group on a tour of of your office or a tour of your house or share something that's in your home that's meaningful to you. We helped that along by creating, you know, we had to do a lot more, I'd say, imagination, imaginative thinking. But ultimately, we did get the results in the sense that we had a a good, a solid, not our best, but a good amount of enrollments into our big back-end program. Congratulations. Wow. Yes. I mean, that was a real shift, not only in thinking, but just how you conducted this whole event. And you still kept it to three days. Is that correct? We did. And that was challenging especially since I'm in Denver and the event is usually in Miami. So we kept the East Coast time, but we did 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. each day, which for me was 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. each day. But it worked out well. I attended one that was Monday through Thursday. So it was four days. It was exhausting. 
all yeah. day looking at the screen. And you're right, we did breakout rooms and then we had a lunch period that we were on our own and then we came back to the event. But it was very tiring, very tiring. But I know that these retreats are so. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the truth. And it, when we're in person, it's very tiring as well. But I feel like we have a really nice rhythm. I'll share that the way we structure the days, it's very rarely me just talking to the screen. We have a lot of dynamic interaction, a lot of exercises. We do hot seats. We mix it up a lot. And generally, our group is also very engaged. There's a lot of activity in the chat. There are a lot of people wanting to share I've been to a lot of retreats, not retreats, sorry, virtual events now lately. And I have to say we do it better or we did it better. I'm proud of the way that people at the end said, I thought it was going to be excruciating and it wasn't. It was fun. It was awesome. That was the kind of feedback we got. Congratulations. Now, the question is, if you do it again, what would you do differently second time around knowing what you know about a virtual event? I would mail out a package in the mail earlier with different things in it. So one of the things we did was send out a care package with our playbook. I I waited too long to send that and it ended up costing us an arm and a leg. I would get that out earlier. And then along with that, I would send out some fun things. This time we sent out a couple snacks. We sent out some pens, but I'd probably play a little more with that piece. And other than that, I don't think I'd change too much else. I feel like we did a really good job rolling with it. And the breakout sessions were good. Oh, one of the things that went really well was that on the third day during the action planning session, we figured out to break out each client into their own breakout room. And then the coaches that were there supporting would go and pop in and out of the rooms to check on people. That way they got the feeling like we do in person of having the one-on-one support, which I wasn't sure how we were going to do that. And that's ultimately how we figured it out. And that went really well. Our listeners love learning about mistakes and I'm sure there are hundreds here, but what are some of the common ones that you find people make when they think about or even conduct one of these retreats? There are a few for sure. One of them that's universal, I think, to both virtual and live retreats is that people try to figure it all out on paper first and get it perfect before they'll get into action. And what ends up happening a lot of times is they don't ever get it perfect. And so they don't ever actually do the retreat or they create the whole thing. They create all these marketing materials and websites and brochures And then they start promoting it and it's not landing. And then they're like, oh, this doesn't work. They get discouraged. They lack confidence. What I've seen work better is what I call sell it first, figure it out later. And what that looks like is instead of trying to market the retreat, market you, market your process, market having a meaningful conversation with you. Let me back up a second. I'll also say that I've never myself sold a retreat by having someone just click on a button and buy it. Every time I've sold a retreat, it's been over the phone or in person. And the reason for that is that this model, at least the way I do it, Susan, and I want to be cautious because I'm not 
trying to tell people that this is the only way to do it. But the way I do it and the way I've seen it work really well is this is not a three-day experience that's $200 or even $500 or even $900. I really operate on a boutique model. Like you deliver an outstanding outcome and you charge a price that's worthy of that outcome. Usually the retreats that I do, that that my clients do, start in the neighborhood of about $2,000. A $2,000 sale is not an easy thing to do by having somebody look at a brochure and buy or having somebody go to a website and buy. Not to mention a retreat is a situation where you want to make sure that the people that are in the room or in the experience are a good fit because (laughs) more than with almost any other model, one bad apple can really spoil the bunch. I say all of that to preface this by saying that all you need to do is have what Mark LeBlanc, one of my coaches calls, have meaningful conversations with people. And so rather than spending so much time and effort creating all these marketing materials, I would say do all your marketing and just focus on getting people on a call, a meaningful conversation. And then in that call, sell it. Even if you don't know exactly what it looks like, even if you don't have all the details exactly worked out, if you have a date and you have a venue and you have meaningful conversations with people who are interested in the breakthrough that you provide, sell it first and then figure it out later. That's what I did. I said, hey, I've got this be on the phone with someone. They were a right fit. We were vibing. I knew what they needed. I'd say, listen, the way I work is everyone starts with this immersion experience. I call it the superstar business breakthrough retreat. And the outcome of that is you're going to have the clarity that you're looking for. You told me that you needed this, this, and this. Well, these are all things that we're going to do in that room and over three days. Are you available on these dates? And then that's how I sold it instead of, oh, here, take a look. I'm going to send you a brochure, see what you think. Does that make sense? You sell it and then you, you can actually craft the experience to the people that you enrolled. I think one of the points too that you said was that you have to know what the outcome is and you have to know what people want. That's the end result. You're going to get them into the retreat so that they can get what it is that they need, whatever that outcome is. Now for you, what is an extraordinary outcome? I'll give you a couple of examples. One of my clients, Leanne Webster, She's a good friend too. We were just on the phone today. And she has something called Lead Machine Weekend. Her immersion experience, her retreat is that people come in and then three days later, they have created all of their email marketing foundationals or fundamentals, she calls them. In other words, they've got a landing page that gives away a free gift. They have the free gift created. They have a follow-up email sequence. It's all uploaded into an email platform. And they can start collecting leads and building their email list. And they have their first 90 days of email content mapped out. Essentially, in one weekend, they've created a little lead machine. That's a juicy outcome. That's a very practical, tactical outcome. I'll use myself as an example. And mine is a little bit less, slightly less tangible, I guess, in the sense that people come into my retreat to get clarity and focus and know all right, what's the new business model that I'm going to add to my current business? 
And by the end of the weekend, they've got the new offers associated to that model. They have clarity on the target audience. They know what the price points are. They know what their big back end is. And they've created a business plan. So really the big outcome is they walk away with a new business plan and action plan. But I also have a client and a friend who I'm her client as well, who has a spiritual retreat that the outcome is you're going to walk away with a deeper connection to the divine. And you're going to learn to access your own intuition. And you're going to tap into your feminine energy. Those are much less tangible outcomes, but no less exciting for the right person. Those are just a couple of examples. Those are great. Now, if our listeners think, ah, yes, this is something that I would like to do, but I have no idea where to start, what would the first step be that they would need to take? There's a lot of different ways to get started. I'll give you a couple of ideas. At the core, though, I think that the key is to know what the big breakthrough is. Know what the promise of the retreat is. Some people can just jump right in and say, oh, the promise is this. I know that they're going to have this outcome. They're going to create their lead machine in a weekend or you know, they're going to create a new business plan, whatever that looks like. But sometimes you need a more roundabout way to get there. If you're not sure what that promise would be or what that big breakthrough is, you can also think about, well, what does the mastery look like in your world? What does the ongoing piece look like? What would you like to be delivering over time to a group of people consistently? What could you deliver forever? And from there, that's the big back end, work backwards into, well, what do they need to get there? For example, if you're like, you know what? I really want to create a mastermind group for people to share best practices in our industry. Cool. Then you've got to ask the question, well, who are these people? And then once you know who they are, you can ask yourself, well, what's the problem that they have, that they know they have? What's the problem that keeps them up at night? Is there some breakthrough retreat experience that could solve that problem for them? Because if you solve that problem for them, chances are they'll want to keep working with you and working with each other. I love it. It's so exciting. It's like, oh, got to get started on some of this. Let's have you tell our audience how they can find out more about Michelle and your different events and how they would get involved with you. Oh, sure. You can find me at superstaractivator.com. There's event dates and links to the event sites. There's a contact form. Everything you need is there. And if you are really curious about this retreat model, I do have a free gift. It's the roadmap. I've created a seven-step, what I call the retreats to riches roadmap that basically it's, it's very simple, but it's, it, well, it's simple in it because it's a very distilled down one sheet roadmap that basically takes you through all seven core components of designing, filling, and monetizing a retreat. And then there's a legend that goes with it that kind of tells you what to do for each component. So it's a two-page thing, very simplified, but very distilled down to its essence. And you can get that at retreatstorichesroadmap.com. And I'm going to put that in the show notes, Michelle, because I downloaded that 
What an invaluable tool. Wow. Listeners, make sure that you do click on that link and pick that up or download it, whatever you want. But it is invaluable and you'll find out more than we were able to fit in the time that we had with uh, Michelle. And Michelle, if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be? I would say to take imperfect action. So often people like us, Susan, I'm going to guess you are and I are very similar. We want to have it all figured out. And what I've learned is that, and I don't know who first said this, but you can't turn a parked car. It's important to get into action. And then from being in action, meaning talking to people about your retreat idea, sharing, preparing, setting a date, looking at venues, I would say from that being in action what you need to do becomes clearer and clearer, especially if you're willing to take imperfect action and to be kind to yourself and allow yourself to be in the exploration of it, in the discovery of it, rather than having to have it all figured out. I love that you said that because you're right. I'm one of those people, I've got to figure it out. The plan has to fall into place before I do it. And it just adds to procrastination, which is as you know, a vice. (laughs) Yeah, it's an idea killer, you know? So that imperfect action is so perfect because, yes, we've got to allow ourselves to be able to do this. Michelle, you've been amazing. I knew you would. Listeners, download this PDF from Michelle and just look at this as another opportunity to add to your author marketing platform. And I think, Michelle, you would agree it's a profitable. Wouldn't you agree with that one? I would. It certainly changed my business and my life. Well, I know that you're changing ours just by sharing with us. So thank you for so much for sharing your wisdom. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparked some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com, and we'll see you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.